coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to the latest edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host this week, Dan Myler. With me as always, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Fellas, we've, we've covered this rookie class thoroughly, spent multiple weeks, multiple months really, talking about the, the class in general and, and we've had some requests for some strategy articles, uh, multiple requests for startup auction strategy, uh, an episode kind of centered around that. So that's what we're going to spend our time this week doing. I thought we'd break it up into two sections, auction preparation and then auction strategy. Guys, we all three of us really spend a lot of time uh, as much time as possible, really participating in auctions, and there are a lot of dynasty owners out there, and and, and more towards my realm, uh, salary cap owners out there that can just wing it, go into an auction willy nilly, and just start throwing the money around. They know values, they feel like they have a good good feel for the landscape of of player values. And I'm not one of those guys. I, I spend a lot of time on auction prep. So let's let's spend a little bit of time here at the beginning of the podcast talking about that and what works for us. Ryan, I'm I'm kind of wondering just to lay the groundwork for the episode. What are what are the steps that you take to get prepared for a startup auction? Well, let's let's go ahead and lay this out first, just so everybody knows. Because really, this whole seg- segment could just be you talking. <laughs> so, uh, we, as you said, we've all been in auction leagues uh, for years now. And, and we're all in the kitchen sink leagues. And um, some of us are in the pigs leagues. Like these, this, is, this has really kind of become the standard for us is, is our auction leagues. And I thought I knew what I was doing and, and had my my methods that worked for me to help me prepare. And then Dan, you and I decided to share a team in Matt's red list Two league. And just about one year ago, about right now, one year ago, last June, we, uh, we went through this startup auction and your level of preparation for that was unlike anything I've seen before. (laughs) So I'll tell you my dumbed down version and then we'll let you kind of school us all. But uh, essentially when I'm preparing for a startup auction, uh, I think the first thing you have to do is create some kind of percentage budget, whatever your, your total 
uh, amount of money is that you have for the for the auction you need to decide what percent of that is going for uh, for each of the four positions and, uh, and and any other assets you might have sometimes there's rookie picks involved devi players involved whatever it might be um, so creating that percentage based budget comes first then i like to take a look at the latest adp data i tier that uh, and then from there basically identify players i want to target players i want to avoid essentially players i think are undervalued or overvalued based on the adp uh and then that that's pretty much it you went way 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 beyond that and and honestly i'm, I'm kind of maybe sounds like i'm taking some shots but i, I really did learn a lot from just talking through that with you and kind of seeing some of your process and your spreadsheets and all that. So I am, I'm actually very grateful to you for that. Oh, well, that's very kind of you, Ryan. Uh, You mentioned the percentage budget for the four positions and Matt, we're going to bring you in too, to talk about that before I guess uh, I elaborate maybe on what, what Ryan said there. Do you do the same thing? Do you set up that budget by position by the four positions and and try to stick to that in your preparation yeah i try really hard to do that uh and 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 for for the normal a normal startup auction where you have one copy of every player i'm definitely a lot more uh diligent about setting up my spreadsheets i set up a, a value for each of the players that I'm, I'm interested in usually for the top 150 to 200 and then we kind of figure everybody after that is, is a dollar player so to speak right or a one percent player um so but but recently I, I would say like maybe the last three or four years honestly i don't think i've done a single one copy player startup and in these multi-copy leagues like ryan's talking about with with red list and and and, and capitalist pigs I have found that that has been mostly a wasted waste, wasted opportunity cost for me because I set up this complicated spreadsheet like you do, Dan, and then all of a sudden I am throwing it out the window because people are already spending way more on every player that I could possibly want. So um, I, I will say that, like you, like, like you said, uh, Ryan, for these one-copy leagues, like I'm setting up the spreadsheet, I'm setting up the budget. I do think one option... Um, differently than setting up percentages for position for people new to auction is awesome, often very helpful is to set up percentages based on like a draft round. So like you're going to obviously in, in, in a draft in, in, a, in a draft setup, you're going to be spending way more capital to move up to like, like say the first round, the second round, or even the third round in some cases. So you can kind of structure your percentage of what you want to spend based on that too. Like say, let's say by the end of the fourth round of those four players, you want to have, you know, 60 to 70% of your budget spent. So I have found that with newer, newer players to auctions that that is uh, maybe makes a little bit more sense just in that transition from a draft format to an auction format. But for me personally, I think the, the uh, positional budget percentages is much more useful. I think that's the, the natural progression of, of dynasty players. Once you come out of the draft, you immediately want to have a good expectation for what you're about to spend on top end, top tier talent and using your formula there. Okay. If I want a first round pick, I should expect to spend this much, a second round pick this much and so on. And you try to anticipate those values. But I've learned over the last few years that, it's it's incredibly difficult to have an accurate anticipation of of what others are going to value these players at particularly particularly excuse me at the very high end so those first round guys so i've kind of tried to tried to avoid that that trying to guess what what 
what players are going to go for. I've, I've spent a lot of time on the same thing, like you mentioned, Matt, and it has been beneficial to me in the past. In fact, I took part in all the uh, kitchen sink startup auctions, and I tracked that from year to year. And by the time we got to kitchen sink four and kitchen sink five, because the leagues were all exactly the same, the settings were the same, scoring and everything, I felt like I had a very good grasp of what players should go for and that made those last couple of auctions very very easy for me but since we don't have that and since we know that and and again in kitchen sink there's a lot of repeat ownership a lot of guys already know what they're getting into when they get into that in in just some random league that you join that starts with an auction ryan you don't have that data in front of you 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 don't know if joe blow out there is gonna blow up his budget for two elite players while the rest of the league sits back and waits. And that throws off all that de- all that work that you put in. So when it comes to that preparation, and we can dig deeper into it, what, what are the other things that you look at, for instance, scoring settings, uh, league rules, those types of things that, that, uh, that affect how you prepare? Yeah, I think, I mean, you certainly have to look at all of those things just like uh, just like you would in any league and uh, i guess cater your strategy and your your auction plan around that um but going back to what you said i think you're totally right we we never see two auctions play out uh, the same way and and of course we don't we don't see drafts play out the same way either but they're they're pretty close you're going to see those players go within uh, half a round of their ADP almost every time. With auctions, it, it really comes down to nomination strategy and, and when we see these players come out uh, or, or be, be put out for auction. And I think a lot, a lot of times I've seen people ask for average auction values and just just like we have with ADP. And honestly, I, I don't think that is really is really very valuable because again you you never know when the player is going to be nominated and if somehow one of these top top players falls through the cracks and they're nominated on day 5 or 6 when when the money is running thin that's totally going to change everything so rather than saying uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to be this much or this percent of my budget i really like to focus on the specific position and i want to find out across all these leagues, whatever data I can use, um, the the average QB1 price was $50. And whoever my QB1 is, that's that's kind of how I slot in uh, at least the starting point of what I'm willing to pay for that player. Yeah, that's really good advice. So so really, if you're trying if you're gonna try to anticipate how much players should go for or or will go for it's really an uphill climb but if you're gonna do it there are some things that you that you need to know about your league first of all the obvious how many teams are in the league how how many dollars everybody has to spend but also how many roster spots does each franchise have how many of those roster spots do owners have to fill in that auction because if if you have 25 man rosters but you don't have to fill it in the auction. There could be guys that go in there and, and only fill 12 spots. That's going to throw off those figures drastically. And they're going to fill the rest of their team with $1 players or 
or, or players out of the free agent pool. So scoring settings go into it, how many starting spots you have to field every week, all those kind of things. And then also the nomination procedures. Those, those are important as well. There are leagues out there that allow multiple nominations per day or unlimited nominations. If you're only nominating one per day in a slow auction, that factors in as well. If, you, if you're getting together with a bunch of buddies at the bar and doing live auctions, that's going to factor in and you get the heat of the moment and all those things. You have to get a feel for how that how that league is going to, gonna or that auction is going to transpire. And there are just way too many factors really to, to put some kind of, kind of arbitrary number on how much you think that quarterback one or quarterback 12 is going to go for. So for myself, I, I try to stay away from that as much as I can. Uh, it's nice to have a good feel. I always like to walk into an auction expecting truly elite talent to go for somewhere between 15 and all the way up to 22 to 25% of a budget. I think that, you know, that, ends up being crazy, but that is something that does happen. Uh, anything over 15% gets a little too expensive for me, but it's, it. I, I would say Matt, that it's relatively normal to see the 101 in ADP go for 20% of an auction budget. E- easily. And I think you're maybe a little bit behind the times, Dan, because it just in this, just this season, I have seen uh, in super flex formats, both Mahomes and Barkley hit 30 plus percent in startup auctions. And it's like, I, I get it. Like you want that player, but it so cripples you for going. I mean, maybe that's your, if you want to go after Mahomes, for example, maybe your strategy is you're not playing for 2019 you're going to, you're going to get a, a few studs and then just build up your base that way. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I, we're, I think the days of, you know, I'm not going to spend more than 15% on my first round pick or whatever, however you want to uh, call it in an auction format are over. I think to get those top tier guys, I think you're talking a minimum of 20% and, and maybe closer to 25 or the crazy ones 30. So those are the times that I pass. I, I think the most I've ever spent on, on, on one player is like in that 20, 20 to 22% range. I just can't do it any more than that. Um, so yeah, I agree. Uh, to go back, if you don't mind, I was going to go back real quick to the, to the, the prep setup, uh, of the tips to, to, for your, for your preparation. I, I really think that tiering is important in auctions. We, we t- I think Ryan touched on it a little bit, but I think it, it's especially important in auctions compared to draft because it allows you to kind of compare players within each of those tiers. So if like, for example, I have seven wide receivers in my, in my first tier, if Odell Beckham goes for 20%, but I can go all the way down to Mike Evans and get him for, you know, 18%, I'm probably probably going to go ahead and stay that uh, st- pay that cheap, cheaper price just to because uh, I'm staying within my tier and getting that better price to spend on players in, in the following tiers. So tiering and making sure your tiers are solid, especially for I think for those live auctions like you talked about, Dan, like if you, you if you know exactly how you are valuing each of those tiers, then you can operate within that without really feeling like you have to spend too much because uh, or 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 the fact that you know that, hey, there's only one player left in this tier. And if I uh, if I go and grab him, then and, and somebody else has an extra player in that tier then they're going to end up spending more so i don't want to wait for that last player in that tier i want to get one or two before that so uh okay okay yeah we <laughs> i didn't really have an ending for that thought so i thought i'd just hand it back off to yeah you. well it was smooth for <laughs> sure uh you know okay i feel like me. we've we've jumped around just a little bit with the whole preparation uh and i i do want to take a step back just like you did there matt and those were good points for sure the tiers are incredibly important and I want to talk a little bit about more the, about that, but maybe we'll get to that when we're talking about the strategy 
uh, when the bids are actually flying. Going back to the actual preparation when you're sitting at your computer or, or at a desk or table jotting down notes for an auction, you, Ryan, you mentioned that you like to do your percent percentage budget for the four positions. I do that as well. I don't want to overspend at a specific position, particularly if there are scoring settings that would regularly throw people into a tizzy or or starting lineup uh, settings that, that might do the same thing. For instance, in two quarterback leagues, some leagues tend to get very aggressive with the quarterback position. I try not to get caught up in that too much, even though I'm, I'm always cognizant that I, I have needs at the position. Uh, t- two tight end leagues or tight end premium leagues, uh, point per carry leagues do the same types of things. So I, I try to do that. I do I do set a arbitrary, or not an arbitrary, but a, but a starting budget for the four positions. Then I take that to the next level and I break that down for every roster spot that I want to to fill on my, on the roster. I start by writing down the the starting lineup uh, settings that you need, the two quarterbacks in a super flex, the two running backs, the three wide receivers, a tight end, and the three flex spots. Those are all filled out. If I have a $100 budget, I put a dollar, dollar amount next to each one. Um, then I set up my bench and... I start placing positions next to that. Ideally, I'd like to have a third quarterback in a Super Bowl in a Super Flex league. So I put a dollar amount next to that. Moving along, I, I add at least one running back and at least one wide receiver. Then I start putting in a, a, a backup tight end and then wide receiver slash running back spots. So I might take it to the extreme just a little bit, but I like to have an expectation set at the beginning of that auction. So creating that budget, I think, is the is the primary task that you need to do going into an auction. After that, I I move on to what Ryan was talking about with that cheat sheet. It's it's really and and Ryan when we did the red list 2 auction, we started with ADP and that's a that's a really good starting position um to just give you a, a list of players, you can move them up and down based on your feelings or leave them where they are so you have an expectation for what I guess the the dynasty world thinks players should be worth. Um, creating those tiers is difficult if you leave them set up by ADP. However, uh, Matt, you mentioned that that the tiers are so important. Um, so I, I do the same thing. I, I, I try to set up those tiers um, and then try to set up inside my budget. I go back to my budget and try to nail down a specific tier for my top position top players in, in a super flex. I like to put quarterback one tier or Ryan, you and I color coded each ones. We, we had a pink and a yellow and a blue tier. So we wanted to find a pink quarterback. We wanted that guy to kind of build our team around. So those are the, the basic uh, uh, preparation things that I do. Um, it, it's always helped me. I've, I've always kind of said that, I'm not really good enough to just wing it. I, I can't remember what I did on the last one. I have to have a, a set plan going into an auction. Ryan, is there anything else we need to add to the preparation of, of going into that startup auction? I was just, yeah, I was just thinking about that process that we went through. It has been a year now, but as I said, I, I did learn a lot. And um, I guess it kind of feels like my typical auction budget is is 
you know, maybe, maybe kind of like a lot like my typical household budget, just, just kind of wing it. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what's left at the end. Um, but you were, you were following, I don't know, maybe that Dave Ramsey plan or something. You were, you were giving every dollar a name, which, um, which really worked well. We knew exactly what we wanted to spend for every player. Uh, and if that ba- backup tight end, uh, even if it was, if it was day one of the auction or if it was day five or six of the auction, we knew what we wanted to pay for every single player on our roster, um, which, which was very helpful. So generally I'm, I'm one of those who, uh, who wings it and, um, you know, I've, I've had pretty good results with that, but, uh, just having that plan and knowing, knowing how you want to spend your money, I think really is important. Yeah, and that's a fluid thing. And we, we did that regularly throughout that auction, Ryan. We were changing things uh, every evening as we talked about the plan as, as things progressed. And and we, we can get into that with the auction strategy. Matt, was there anything else you wanted to, to add to the preparation part of the show? I don't think so. I, I I keep having thoughts that I want to talk about, but I think it falls more into the strategy section. Okay, so let's, let's great. Do that. So let's get into the strategy. Once once the nominations are flying, and, and first of off, we should mention, I think I did briefly, but there is a drastic difference between a live auction and the slow auction that a lot of us, the three of us especially, and probably a lot of our listeners that, that subscribe to DLF and and are part of a lot of the leagues that, that – that we uh, talk about regularly on, on DLF and right here on the podcast. So some of this that we're going to talk about may seem like it's um, tilted towards those that are in those slow auctions that are done on MFL or another website. Um, But we will try to touch a little bit on those live auctions because those are exciting and there are strategies and, and tips that you can use throughout, throughout that process as well. Let's start guys Matt, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you first. Nominations. What are your general feelings about nominations? Are, are you the guy that, that puts your guy out there right away that you, that you want? Or are you trying to get other money off the board? What's your opening feelings for early on? Opening nomination, opening day, or that first round around the table when you're, when you're nominating in a live auction? I'm definitely putting up players that either I'm not interested in, like you mentioned, because I want everybody else to spend their money on them, or players that I think are currently overvalued or overhyped right now. So, uh, you know, like I, like on, on day one, I'm probably going to go ahead and throw up Patrick Mahomes because I know I'm not going to spend enough, enough to get him. I'm going to throw up Saquon Barkley because I know I'm not going to spend enough to get him, and it's going to get all of that money off the board. Um, in terms of, like, you know, overhyped guys, like I, I'm paying attention to – uh, to Twitter, to to articles on not only on DLF but other sites. You know, who are the players that people are pumping up uh, that I don't necessarily necessarily believe in? So, like you said, I think the, the 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 safest strategy early on is to get as much money off the board on players that you are not interested in, either because you just don't like the player or because you know that it's not going to fit into your budget. So, I, th- I think that is the probably the maybe the safest and maybe the best strategy early on. Uh, there are some other things you can do, you know, like while everybody's throwing up uh, the top studs, the, the round one guys, if we're talking about a draft format. Um, I, I do think there are some opportunities where you can throw in 
you know, uh, a, a five or $10 player, maybe like a, like a back end tight end one or something like that and get somebody really cheap while people are focusing on spending on, on, on the top guys. But like I said, in general, I think it's the, the ultimate goal early is to get as much money off the board as possible. Yeah. I, I've seen that happen regularly. Guys try to slide that guy through and it seems to me more often than not that the guy goes for at least what he should or what what he would go for later in the auction when you try that with the with that low end tight end one or that RB3 trying to fill a flex spot early on i'm going to go back to what you said right away that about throwing that big name out there, the Saquon Barkley's or the Patrick Mahomes's. I don't necessarily do that. I, I tend to do what you, you said secondary there with the go to the Twitter hype, look at ADP and find a name that, that you think is just way too high in ADP and try to get that guy to spend the max amount on, on a guy that that's hyped. But I do need guys like you or, 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 guys that do what you mentioned first of all I want those big names out there right away to be spent on now there's a big difference between nominations and Ryan I'm going to bring you in here as well between nominations and early bidding so we're going to save the early bidding for 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 just a couple of minutes here and focus in on those nominations Ryan, early on, are you doing the same thing? You you putting those big names out there, or or, or what's your strategy? Yeah, I am. I'm I'm putting the the big names. The, the exactly what you guys are, are talking about is is what I'm doing as well. I've I've tried in the past to sneak the the lower tier players through, and I think you kind of mentioned this. It, it never really seems to work. Uh, it it feels like generally in auctions, fantasy fantasy players are spending. Uh, are overspending at the beginning, whether it's the Barkley and Mahomes uh, tier players, or even if you try to sneak in uh, that that sleeper that you think you're going to get for a dollar, he ends up going for three or four dollars, and it it just doesn't seem to work out uh, the way you want it to. But th- but that works too. Like if I put that guy trying to slip him through, and somebody because they're in a, in a feeding frenzy at the beginning, spending all they want, they have all their money and they want to spend their money. I don't mind if you go pay three or four times what I want to spend on that money either way. So either I'm going to get the guy cheap because you're focused on something else, or you're going to overpay on a guy that that probably shouldn't go for more than a couple percentage of, percents of your budget. Yeah, and that's a really good point. And that's where the preparation comes in. If if you make that list, and we didn't mention it with the preparation, I meant to really. There should be a list of players that you have as dollar guys that you're only willing you want on your team but you only want to pay a dollar for and that is a valid strategy at the beginning of auctions as well if 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 you're only willing to pay one dollar for a player the only way you're going to get them is if you nominate them so using your nominations on one dollar players is a valid strategy and it can be used well and if you truly feel the player is only worth a dollar particularly in leagues with low auction uh, total auction dollars available. So if if you're talking about a league with a hundred dollar budget, it's way different than a thousand dollar budget. People with a thousand dollar budget feel they can spend the extra few bucks on the one dollar players. Uh, in a hundred dollar budget, going up to two dollars is there's a drastic difference there. So if you truly feel a player, as you were saying, Matt, is only worth a dollar, then getting somebody to pay two is a win for you and the other eleven guys or ten guys in the league that weren't bidding. Uh, Since we're talking about early on, let's skip down to, to the bidding strategies. So there's a big difference for me between nominating and bidding. While I like to nominate a player that I'm not necessarily interested in, and maybe somebody that, that where their ADP suggests they're worth more than I would be willing to pay. 
I am a little bit more aggressive when it comes to bidding. Now, maybe not with truly elite players that, that first round in the ADP, but with guys that are in the second round, third round, and beyond that I think have big upside or, or that I really want on my roster. I think, I think it's, it's an underused strategy to be incredibly aggressive on the opening day of bidding uh, in a slow auction or in a live auction in the first round of auction or, or of nominations, because I think regularly the majority of the league, the majority of the guys at the table or, or in that uh, league are going to sit back, be a little bit hesitant and try to get a feel for value and, and where that auction is going to go. I've regularly taken a, taken an opening bid to, the 15% or whatever I feel the player is worth and got them for 13 or 14% right away because so many other owners are, are feel like they're, they're trying to gauge the market. And it turns out that those are one of the best buys of the auction. So when it comes to bidding that early on, is there anything else that you like to focus in on? No, I'm probably one of those guys that is happy to let you go and set the market on some players because I want to I want to get, you know, a handful of players off the board so I can figure out what prices are going to be, um, place those 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 one auctions into my my tier tiering groups and to know, you know, how much can I spend less on a guy still in the same tier as, as one of these guys that went early. That said, if I have my players set, if I have a, 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 a complete value set on a player, let's say it's. 15% like you said and and I see that he's at 12% right now I have no problems at all going and being aggressive and getting a guy like you said but typically I'm one of the wait wait and see kind of guys I typically won't win a player for a day or two in an auction hmm. right yeah I'm I'm the same way actually as Matt and and again every auction is different but I think more and more uh, more and more it feels like these auctions are events that that fantasy players get so excited about i mean we always get excited about the start of a new league anyway and if it's a if it's a startup draft but an auction is for some reason just a, a different level of excitement maybe because you always have a chance at uh, at every player if you uh if you have the money to back up that bid so i've i've kind of see it seen it go the other way where these guys are so excited to actually just jump into the pool and start bidding that it, to me, it feels like uh, I, I just want to sit back and, and watch people spend their money. And typically kind of, kind of my overall strategy is I want to be the, the last, the last one to win a player, uh, the last one to win the first player, I guess I should say. And the first one with a full roster. Yeah, that, that that's probably, I can't believe you said that because we've done <laughs> we've done auctions together, Ryan, and 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 we've had the conversations where we're excited about values and and made aggressive bids early on. You know, I guess maybe it depends on that auction and those opening moments, how you feel things are going, and you take advantage. I think the biggest takeaway from this is and and the the what I talked about earlier about trying to be aggressive early on that's that's probably only useful in the slow auction setting sometimes it works in a live auction where you bid a little bit less than what you expect the player to go for and get the bargain that way but it feels to me that 
if you have a good feel for how the opening moments of that auction goes, you can respond accordingly and try to find a win. Whether that means you win the player at a, at a discount or what you feel is a discount, or players go for more than what you expect them to go for. By by me saying that, wow, you know, right right away somebody nominates a quality player that I like. Maybe it's Melvin Gordon in an auction, and I, and I want to get that RB one on my roster that I feel could be a discount, and you expect him to go for between 12 and 15% and you put a 10% bid in on him while everybody else is walking up these other auctions and sees names like Saquon Barkley and, and Ezekiel Elliott on the board as well. They might ignore Melvin Gordon. You sneak him through, get him for the 10% and you feel like that's a big win. And, and then days later or moments later, maybe even in a live auction, it, it's it comes to fruition and you realize that that was one of the best wins of the auction now now if you're if things are going the way you said ryan where people are so uh excited to get that money flying and get guys on the roster obviously you stay away from that philosophy and you let those guys spend the money i think you can take advantage of that aggression early on too though especially if you're updating your spreadsheet you know throughout the auction especially early on like after those first three or four days and you see all of a sudden you know 40 percent of the of the money in the in the entire auction including all of the owners is off the board and you know 25 players are gone like all of a sudden you know hey i can slow down and go ahead and probably get players maybe not in the same tier but a tier below for you know i i don't know how much cheaper half half as much as, as these other guys so paying attention to that total money available and how fast that money getting spent and who is still left uh to be nominated i think is really important at, even at this early stage i just think of, of a couple things that really I, I kind of fuel the fire in these auctions once the auction is underway the first thing is is just the auction versus the startup draft and if you if you're preparing for a startup draft and you know you have the 12th pick, you know you're not getting Saquon Barkley. You know you're not getting uh, Christian McCaffrey. And, and these players just uh, are almost are, are completely out of mind because they're not even going to be options for you. And again, you're, you're looking at a, a list of five or six players who, who you might be able to choose from. In an auction players start getting nominated on day one and you just see all of these players as potential players that will land on your team. The other thing I think that, that happens and it's really, it's really kind of a simple, uh, simplistic thing, but I know I can get caught up in it sometimes early on. You look at an auction and you see the current cost of a player. And even if that auction has 12 or 15 hours left, you view that current cost or that current, uh, that current price as the final cost. And you start thinking, Ooh, I can get my homes for, for 8%. <laughs> when the reality is there's a long time left in that auction. You, you know, you know, he's going to end uh, at, at a much higher amount than that. But I, I think that's easy to look at that current snapshot of the, of the auction at any one moment in time during, during the auction and just start thinking, Okay, I've got a hundred dollars left. I'm going to get this guy, this guy, and this guy, and and again, the reality is maybe you can get one of those players or two of those players. And that's where that preparation comes in handy for me. Matt alluded to it there that the tracking of these auctions. So 
I mean, I, this may sound very obvious to a lot of the listeners we, because we talked about it in the preparation. When you do that spreadsheet, you put together those tiers. As the auctions are coming off the board and these these uh, auctions are won and players are ending up on rosters, we type in the dollar amount that that player went for. And inside a tier, if you have five or six wide receivers in tier one, you can quickly see when you look at that spreadsheet that if wide receiver one went for 56, wide receiver three went for $59, and wide receiver six went for uh, $52, you can quickly see what the value of those other remaining uh, wide receivers should be. Now, Matt, you talked about it a little bit in the preparation section uh, when you maybe jumped the gun just a little bit on me. Uh, when, when you said that as, as you watch these auctions come off, you can you can say that, wow, if, if wide receiver one and three went for in the high 50s, uh, the last guy left is this wide receiver four and my tiered cheat sheet, I should expect to pay that. Now, that that's what maybe common knowledge would probably tell you, but in my experience, it feels to me like the last guy in a tier always goes for the most amount of money. So the target for me usually is the second to last guy or maybe moving money around and, and suddenly taking instead of a, a tier one wide receiver, <coughs> excuse me, tier one wide receiver and a tier two running back, I might flip flop those tier one running back and a tier two wide receiver to avoid overspending. I think maybe you were getting to that, Matt, but I cut you off. No, I just I just think that it's, it's it's it is hard to gauge who the last person in that tier is though because everybody has their own tiers, you know. I, I think at the top, you know, it's probably pretty pretty similar, but once you get down to the middle, you know, the wide receiver twos, I think, you know, maybe I have six guys and you have 10 guys, you know, that kind of thing. So, I do think it's a little bit difficult to gauge that, but at the top, I think you're absolutely right there. You don't want to you don't want to be the last one. Whoever the last one is your tier if it's Mike Evans, you don't want to and uh, in, in the top 5 or 6 receivers ahead of him have gone off you don't want to be the last one to get that before uh, that that teardrop happens for sure right so tracking comes in in handy as we go along and and like you mentioned there matt it's probably comes more in handy in when you start talking about tier three four five six and beyond uh but it certainly helps you get a good gauge of what players should be worth and what they will be worth as the auction goes on i like personally to take things a step further so, and I think Matt, you mentioned this as well. I like to total the to- the the sum of the amount of money available in an auction. So, if there it's a twelve team league and everybody has a hundred dollars, there's twelve hundred dollars available. So, at the end of that cheat sheet, at the bottom of each list, the bottom of the quarterbacks, I add up the values of all the money spent on all the quarterbacks. And as I go along, I update auctions that are currently running, not just the ones that have ended as well. So, I have a a running total of how much money has been spent. I then do the do the um, figuring so I can figure out exactly what percentage of money is available at at any given moment during the auction, and that helps me gauge whether the value in an auction is going to be end up being early or late in the auction. So I, I don't know if I explained that exactly right, but keeping track of of how much players are going for and how much money has been spent, in my opinion, is vital to making sure that you're set up for the end of an auction, which we'll get to short. Thank you for that, guys. (laughs) (laughs) 
let's talk a little bit more about the bidding strategies or, or maybe the bidding types. I wanted to get to this for sure. Um, proxy and non-proxy bidding. And, and for those of you that, that don't know, there's the eBay style of bidding where you get walked up as you go along. And then there's the, the style of bidding where whatever your high bid is, that is, is your bid at the moment. First of all, Ryan, I'd like to know which one you prefer, and then what different strategies are there for, for either kind of bidding? I definitely prefer uh, proxy bidding, which is, that's that's the eBay style. Um, so you, you submit your high bid for a player. That high bid is not, uh, not visible until, uh, essentially until you're uh, outbid. Um, so if you bid 100, it, it could potentially be bumped up to 25, 50, and so on as other people submit bids on that player as well. Uh, I don't, I, I guess I want to hear from Matt. I don't think I've actually participated in a non-proxy uh, startup auction. So I've, I've heard some things, but <laughs> Matt, I know, has done both. Uh, I, I mean, I, I like both of them. They They serve different purposes for sure. I think if your goal is to create a little bit of animosity and some rivalries and such in the league, then non-proxy is definitely the way to go because in a non-proxy auction, what the price that you see on the board is the price that it is. So it's different uh, than the eBay style that you, that you mentioned. So if a player says $50, all you got to do is bid 51 to knock them off. So player has, you know, we get, we haven't got there yet. And maybe I'm jumping a little ahead on you again, Dan, but uh, you know, bidding on players at the last minute, redlining as, as we typically call it uh, you know, it's a lot easier to do in a non-proxy auction because you see, you know, uh, Odell is, you know, at 16% of budget. What if I bid 16.1% of the budget right now, because I just got bid off of a player. So I think that it, it, it it's a much truer form of auction because you know the price is that, is that price you're going to pay. Uh, but I do think it lends to a little bit more of the aggression, especially as the clock winds down. And also it's a lot easier because – you know, in, 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 a, in the eBay style, in the proxy auction, you're like, well, it says $60, but he's probably $100. And, you know, you can you can do a little $1 up here and there and, and kind of test the waters a little bit, but it's a little bit scary. Whereas in the non-proxy version, you know, I'm going to bid one more dollar and all, all of a sudden I'm the high bidder on this player. It seems like that would really extend the, the length of the auction. Does that just... Make it go. You forever. know, I think it it ends up being about the same. It depends. I think it depends again on the nomination strategies and, and how that's set up in the league. If it's like one player per day, then it certainly could. Um, it especially did in Pigs One. Pigs One was the first non-proxy auction I did, and I think a lot of people in that league it was their first one. Like the quarterback carousel in that one was just brutal. It would be like a dollar, like every single time it got to the red line. So there would be like four quarterbacks that were on the board for weeks at a time. But I think that that also happens within that style of auction because when when you're bid off of a player, all of a sudden you have money freed up, and then you see, hey, there's one minute left to go on this player. I'm going to go ahead and do it because all of a sudden my money just got bid up. So it's really easier to do that in a non-proxy version because, again, it's only another dollar, and anybody is going to spend another dollar to get Odell Beckham, for example. And one more time I want to mention, going back to what I said earlier, that that – Really, a non-proxy auction is what you see in live auctions when 12 buddies get together at a bar. Yeah, yeah. 
and one guy is 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 an auctioneer and, and you're just shouting out figures there's obviously no ebay style of bidding there you're shouting out what you're willing to pay and that is an exciting way to do an auction i tend to agree with you matt even in the slow version but especially in the live auction format it is exciting and and you feel like you're you're really uh throwing throwing caution to the wind really and you have to make split seven second decisions and then going back to the slow auction non-proxy version of what we do uh because of that red line bidding and and because that's a lot more common in in that setup than in the in the proxy style it's uh it does create that animosity and creates those those owners being uh, trying to get vengeance later on in the auction, which which isn't always a bad thing. It also it also makes it a lot easier. You have to be really if you're gonna, if you're trying to stick to a pretty strict budget, it makes it a lot easier to go off budget in a non proxy. It's pretty easy to just say, all right, well, it's a few extra dollars, and uh, now now you've thrown your entire budget out of whack. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Can I ask you guys a question about uh, proxy though? I have a question, and that's: Do you put when you put a proxy bid on a player? <laughs> do you you make your bid your final because because with the way of proxy auction we haven't really explained it but proxy auctions you it's a max bid so i'm gonna bid a uh, hundred dollars but i might get them for 50 if nobody goes above that so will you guys put your final absolute high price on that first bid or will you come back to a player if you get out bid off of that first one i'll come back you'll come back yep. Okay. I, I think it goes back to what I said earlier. A lot of times, I know Ryan likes to do that, come back and slowly walk that bid up as he needs to. I, on the other hand, especially if I feel like not enough money is being spent and in a slow auction where there's a 18 or 16 or 24 hour wait before you actually win the player, I have things to do. So I'm going to set that thing as high as I think I could to be comfortable uh, I, I usually, because I do all the preparation and, and track that auction as much as I do, I usually feel pretty comfortable with how I evaluate players and what I think players should go for. Usually I'm bidding a high number, but it's less than the total I expect the player to go for, uh, depending on the auction and how things are going. So I, I don't mind getting aggressive, again, particularly early in an auction when you think things are, are starting off slow and people are trying to get a gauge for values because usually in that case there's going to be too much money available later and players are going to take a big jump especially top end players i'm glad you we talked a little bit more about the preparation aspect of it because all that preparation that we did do to to kind of get ready and and set a precedent for an auction leads us to mid-auction. We've already talked about how we nominate early on and, and how things kind of progress as we as we bid early on. Now we're in the middle of our auction. We're making adjustments to that cheat sheet that we created. We're adding player values as they go off the board. But obviously, that budget that we set up early on, Ryan, that we're not going to be able to stick strictly to that. Suddenly players, high-end players are going for a little more, maybe even a little bit less than what we anticipated. Maybe we got a bargain on Patrick Mahomes, Matt, who we thought we weren't going to get, and suddenly he went for Tier 2 quarterback prices and we got him. We have to adjust our budget. So it's important 
to make those adjustments as we win players and, and maybe even as we start these bids. Um, I tend, Ryan, to try to stick to it as long as I can, but I always try to keep it fluid and, and willing to make adjustments as we go. Yeah, that was uh, just, again, going back to this uh, experience that we had last year teaming up. That was one thing that I appreciated was that you you updated that uh, that budget and, and moved money around. If we had to spend more on our QV1 than we expected, you wanted to know where that money was coming from. Uh, that is, that's not my typical style. Again, it's just kind of off the cuff spending on players I want and looking for bargains. That's, that's kind of my norm. Uh, so I, 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 uh, I appreciated your organization. The Ryan McDowell auction strategy podcast is about five minutes long. It it really is. (laughs) Well, we're going to get to the Ryan McDowell strategy here in a minute. Matt, do you have anything to add to the budget adjustments? No, that that was that you said it perfectly. Constantly update your your budget. If you spend more at one position and you're trying to stick within a certain amount, make sure you are you know where that's coming from. But what, I usually end up just pulling it from tight end because you know tight end. But uh, yeah, yeah, make sure you know where that money is, which which position that money is coming out of. If you have to spend more at say running back or whatever. Okay, so so we did the preparation. We've gotten through some nominations. We're adjusting our budget and adjusting that cheat sheet. We're in the middle to late parts of the auction. What type of players are we going after? Are we nominating the players now, Matt, that we really wanted on our roster? Are we trying to get our $1 bargains at this point? What kind of players are you identifying as those nominations and bids? I think the middle of the auction, I'm really just value hunting. Uh, obviously, I, the whole point of an auction, I think this does get lost a little bit in, in, in this discussion, is that part of the reason why you do it as an auction is because you want to build a team that you want to root for, right? We all play this game for fun. You want to have players on your team that you want to root for and that you think are fun, and that's how you do it in an auction is to go get them. Uh, so within reason, of course. So at this middle point of the auction, I'm looking for those players that I really like and trying to find values on them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm re, re- tiering players if I need to you know maybe now maybe all my tier one and two players are off but there's that top of the head top of the line third tier player that's still sticking around that you know could easily be bumped into a second tier with a good season so those kind of things are are what I'm looking at in the middle of the auction Uh, but definitely still still updating that budget regularly I think it gets even more important in the middle middle stages of it yeah I'm doing the same thing as I said earlier I I want to typically I want to be the the last uh the last person to win my first player and I want to be the first one to win my last. So the middle of the auction is, is the most important for me where I'm looking for, uh, looking for those values. I am starting to nominate players that, uh, that are targets of mine, especially if I think uh, that they, they might somehow slip through or, or be undervalued. What, my takeaway from what you just said there, Ryan, was, was three words. You said looking for value. I think there's a lot of dynasty owners and, and salary cap owners that are this way as well that get into an auction room and truly feel that every single player has a value. There, there, is, there is value with every player. So maybe, maybe it's a $13 player that you don't like, so only he's worth $1. But still, that player, there is a place on your roster for that player. I see you, Ryan, as one of those guys that, that sees value in every player. 
Yeah, I think that's true. I, I mean, I, I have I have won players in auctions that uh, that I would never draft or that that I would typically call you know avoid trash <laughs> maybe or trash yes yeah um just again because i thought the i thought the value was good so yeah you're right, you're right there. so that brings me to the last real point i want to talk about and it's price enforcing i see prices for enforcing as two separate things i am not a price enforcer myself i try to stay away from it in fact because the real the truth is if you're the rule behind price enforcing is you're not supposed to make a bid that you're not happy with having the player on your roster for that amount, right? Yep. So then that's not really price enforcing, really. It it's making a bid, a legitimate bid for a player to be on your team. So that's not. So if if every dynasty owner truly followed that rule, price enforcing isn't a negative thing. It's exactly what we were talking about with you, Ryan. It's a strategy. It's every single player has a value to you for your roster. So every bid you make is really price enforcing. If you look at it that way, right? Um, no, I, I disagree. And I, well, I think in, in general, in big picture, yeah, I probably would agree. I think in the leagues that we play in where we're playing against the same people over and over, I think you can notice trends and you can notice, uh, bidding habits. Um, and maybe maybe I know that you always bid in ten dollar increments. So if if the high bid is twenty two, then I feel safe that I can bump you up to twenty nine and and make you spend a little bit more. Um, so to me, that's still price enforcing. I do agree with with what with your first point. I don't think you should be you should not be making those bids unless you would be comfortable with with getting that uh, that player on your roster for that price. But I've I've broken that rule too. I've had that oops bid where I I wish I could take it back, and and probably a lot of people have had that. Well, I think with you, Ryan, though you, you tend to know player values really well. The the oops that happens with you is when another player is nominated later on, and you realize, oh no, that guy's going for five, and I just got this guy for nine. I that was a mistake. Sure. At the moment you made the bid, it was a true bid and and one that you probably felt okay with. But something changed that value as as things went on. Yeah, but I, I think that's that's really the whole point of auctions and the whole challenge of auctions is in the majority of auctions the the full player pool is not out there at one point. You have to you have to again go back to that plan, go back to the budget. You have to look at who's left and and kind of foresee what uh, what their costs might be and. Do you want to spend now or do you want to spend later? Right. Matt, what are your thoughts on enforcing and how often do you employ it? It, it, Again, the general rule, if it's not a player I don't want, I'm probably not going to do it. There are obviously exceptions to that. If, for example, a player that I don't really like, Tariq Cohen, is going for 5% of budget and I think I'm going to get, it's too low, I'm still going to bid on him because, uh, you know, it's still a value at some point. Um, I think one thing that's tied up in here that we haven't really got to is maybe combined with the redlining thing from earlier and, and Ryan mentioned a little bit is the game within a game in the auction because watching players tendencies the way they bid also one really dirty thing that I have seen done many times and I can't say I haven't done it a couple of times myself but is noticing the people in the league chat who get really upset when you price enforce I mean like really upset 
those guys are the ones you can take advantage of because you do that a couple of times as their clock is winding down. All of a sudden, they're tired of dealing with this player, and you may still get a value out of that. So, you know, gauge that at whatever kind of player you are. But there are definitely those players out there that get really upset by whether it's a price enforcement or just a bid in the last minute or so. Those are things you can use to your advantage, too. You know, the great thing about price enforcing, going back again to if you're not going to if, if you're not happy getting the player, don't make the bid is that in an auction compared to a draft in a draft, it only takes one owner to set a value for a player. So if 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 player A goes at, at pick 29 in the in the draft, that's his value. That's where he's valued as a league. But in an auction, it takes two, really, especially in in a proxy auction so um you know as that gets walked up or or fails to walk up and you suddenly see that Tariq Cohen in your case uh maybe it's Sammy Watkins in my case who I've never really uh, enjoyed having on any of my teams um man he's only going for two percent of his budget I guess I would like Sammy Watkins for that amount there it takes two to to create that value and and for somebody, you're going to find just that right value. And, and it's crazy how in an auction, guys, one guy can look at it as a horrible way to spend your money or, or a part of your budget. And another can think the very same player is the best bargain in the entire in the entire auction. I guess that's the same with a draft. Again, thank you <laughs> for that analysis. <laughs> Well, uh, that's going to about do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Another strategy episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, let us know what you think on Twitter. Uh, I'm at dmyler22. You can find Ryan at uh, RyanMC23 and find Matt at MattPriceFF. We'll be back again next week with the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you later.